Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. It's uh, my privilege to uh, lead the team. We're going to be continuing our Matthew Preach series. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 7. We are heading backwards through the Gospel of Matthew. So a few weeks ago, we did the death of Christ on the cross. We then did his resurrection. Um, Last week, Natalie spoke um, about mercy out of chapter 9. Well, today we're picking up the end of chapter 7 and into um, chapter 8 of Matthew. Brilliant. So we have got the youth going out. So if you uh, guys have an absolutely brilliant time, if you're aged between 11 and something, just devoted, just the older youth are going out. Just the older youth, so 15 to 18, so you're just going out. If you're younger, you get the joy of staying in to hear me. Oh, well, there was a little bit of a response there anyway. Brilliant. Just, um, <coughs> just before um, I, we, we dive in and we look at this passage, uh, um, I just want to share uh, uh, something to do with some changes that we are making to Sunday morning um, prayer meetings. For a good number of you, you know that for many years now we've been gathering at 7am on Sundays to pray and seek God, often particularly for the Sunday meetings, but we pray about other stuff as well and just have great times of enjoying God, worshipping um, and enjoying his um, presence. But we just want to make a couple of changes um, to the 7am uh, Sunday uh, prayer meetings. The first reason for it is we just want to create regular opportunity to pray for six o'clock church and if you're a regular attender of six o'clock church getting up at 7am to pray probably doesn't work very well at a number of levels as you can um, well imagine Um, but we also want to create an opportunity to start praying on a regular basis for the central St Leonard's venue that will be starting in the future so what we're going to do is we are going to um, change the prayer meetings around now try and get your heads around this on week a we are going to be praying for the Hastings venue at 7am in the morning, so no change. Week B, we're going to be praying at 7am, same venue for the Central St. Leonard's venue. So it won't be that that's all we pray for, but that will be a key focus. Week C, we will be praying for the Hastings venue at 7am. And week D, we will be praying for 6 o'clock church at 5pm in the evening, so please don't turn up at 7am. Because, well, you might not be the only person there, but I'm pretty certain no one will be there with a key. So you will have to pray out in the car park if you come um, at that time. Is that as clear as mud? Excellent. So basically, three out of four Sundays, weeks A, B and C, we're praying at 7am as normal. Week D, though, there is no early morning prayer meeting. We are praying at 5pm in the afternoon for six o'clock church and really laying hold of God in prayer for that. If you have any questions, just ask Sue at the information desk and she will make all confusion become clear, I'm sure. Brilliant. This morning we're going to be looking at the whole subject of Jesus' authority. I, think, I thought what John shared fitted in so well um, with that. I'm going to sort of work my way through the verses, spend a little bit of time explaining what's going on, um, hopefully just bring a fuller meaning to it, and then I've got two application points um, at the end. And as we look at Jesus' authority, um, in some ways I'm not full of faith that I'm going to tell you anything you don't already know, but I am praying that you will see it with fresh eyes, 
this morning that the eyes of your heart will be opened in order that you will see something of Jesus' authority and how we connect with that in new ways. Are you open to that? Good. Sam, I like having you on the front row. That's good. (laughs) Brilliant. Let's just pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for the immense privilege of being able to gather together as church and worship you. Lord, to be able to glorify your name, we, we absolutely love it. I thank you you are here with us. And I pray, Lord, that as I do the best I can to communicate your word, I pray would you take my efforts and breathe your life, your power, your anointing into it. And I ask would our hearts and our minds be so open to uh, uh, everything you want to say to us. I pray for freedom in this place. I thank you, Lord, that we have been set free from guilt and shame and death and sin But I pray for that fresh revelation of your authority, your absolute authority in all things and your authority over the circumstances that we're facing at the moment. I ask for your grace and your revelation in that, I pray in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're going to pick it up in chapter 7, verse 28. I'm going to read a little bit, explain it, and then we'll move on to the next bit. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This comes right at the end of Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had just been, well, teaching the most incredible stuff that had ever been heard. It it was revolutionary. It was absolutely life-changing. And to be quite honest, every generation since Jesus taught it has marveled at what Jesus taught here. And the crowds were also astonished. But it doesn't say they were astonished at what he taught. They were astonished at the authority of his teaching. As he redefined their understanding of what the Old Testament law said, they were amazed at the authority at which he spoke in comparison to the scribes that they normally heard. 24-7, he came with an authority. And we find the authority of Jesus um, is quite a regular theme through the Gospel of Matthew. It comes up obviously here. It comes up a little bit later. We're going to read it in a minute when it comes to healing. And we see Jesus' authority over sickness. We find it in um, uh, Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus has authority to forgive sin. That's quite amazing, isn't it? There is a person, a man, the God-man, the Messiah, who has authority to forgive sin, to wipe it out, to say it is no longer an issue. And he heals on the back of it to prove his authority. He gives authority to his disciples in Matthew 10 verse 1. The chief priests questioned what was the source of his authority in chapter 21. And the Great Commission in chapter 28 He says, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. So authority is a real key theme um, within the Gospel of Matthew. And when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Leprosy is a a cruel um, disease. It it starts with a numbness in your extremities. So it doesn't start in a dramatic way. It just starts with a numbness that you, your your nerves are starting to deteriorate and you, you you might touch something that is hot 
or, or something that is sharp or you might bump yourself. But because your nerves are dying, you don't realize that you've done it. So over the years, what happens is your body becomes increasingly deformed because you, you, you don't know you're damaging it. So it might be that you, you lose fingers or you lose toes or, or you, you might bump your nose. I would definitely have that problem. Um, if I had it, that, that could be a, a change. And, and, in, and if you've ever seen pictures of people with, um, uh, with, with leprosy on the internet, it's, it's horrific. It's horrific what it does to you physically. And this guy or this person, we don't know if it's a man or not, this person with leprosy comes and kneels before Jesus. But what makes it even worse within that culture is that he would be unclean. So because there weren't the medical advances that we have today where actually it can be cured if people take the full treatment, in that day there wasn't a cure for it. And so they would have been unclean, so no one would have wanted you around. If someone got leprosy in your home, they would leave your home and go and live in a completely separate community. They would have no interaction with their family anymore. They were disowned. They were pushed out. So for someone with leprosy to walk right through the middle of a crowd, to come right through, would have been an incredibly brave thing for them to do. And it says they came and knelt down before Jesus. There, that word is also used of worship as well. He comes and kneels before Jesus and asks that question, you know, if you will, you can make me clean. Interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say that you can heal me, you can make me clean. I wonder if the predominant problem for this person wasn't the physical ailment, it was the fact they were unclean, that they were, they were covered with shame. We've picked that up already, haven't we? Shame. If you will, you can remove my shame. You can, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. That must have been absolutely incredible. I mean, the first thing in Jesus reaching out and touching, he became unclean in touching the person with leprosy, ceremonially unclean. That's what would have, but he didn't care about that. He reached out, he touched him, he says, be clean, and in a moment, he was healed. Now, I don't know what level the leprosy had got to in his body, but I wonder if, if in a moment his skin started to clear. I wonder if, if fingers might have started to regrow on his hands. I, we don't know. It doesn't. If I'd written it, I'd have, tell you, I'd have given you all of the details. But it must have been incredible as he touched him, said, be clean, and in a moment... Healing started to come on his body and, and wow. I mean, it must have been like, wow, look, not, it's not just the leprosy has stopped, but, but I'm physically changing in front of their eyes. Wow. I mean, this is, this is the Jesus that we worship. He, I really want to label it. He's the shame lifter. And for some of us here today, we... We've not got leprosy, but we carry shame like leprosy. We feel everyone can see our shame. Everyone judges us on 
the shame that we feel. In, in actual fact, we feel that we are on the outside of community because of what we've done. I want to say Jesus died on the cross to deal with your shame. He carried the price so that you wouldn't have to carry it yourself. And you can know cleansing and renewal and holiness because of what Christ has done for you. It is available today. He is the shame lifter. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. So I don't know where the crowds have gone, but at this point in time, it seems like it's just Jesus and this person. But go and show yourself to the priests and offer a gift that Moses commanded for proof to them. Jesus honoured the Old Testament. The person was to show themselves to the priest because then the priest would check them over and say, you are clean. You can, be, you can be reintroduced back into the community. It was the priest who would say that. But it was also a witness as to what Jesus was doing. So you notice that, that already early in his ministry, Jesus is, is looking to show to the priest, to the religious leaders, look, look this, is, this, is an amaz- you know, this is amazing what is going on here. But as we know, they rejected him. Then moving on to the next bit. When he entered Capernaum, A centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home and suffering terribly. So the centurion would not have been Jewish by birth. He would have been Syrian or Lebanese. He he was a commander um, of uh, uh, a, a, a junior commander within the army. He would have had men. Um, around him. It says in Luke that he did good within the Jewish community. In actual fact, they sort of interceded on his behalf um, to Jesus. But he comes to Jesus and says, look, my servant, he's suffering and he is um, at home. He's, He's so ill, he can't even come to you. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Isn't that, sorry, isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? Do you just think, I don't know if you just thought that. The centurion comes, makes this, and just Jesus says, oh, I'll come and heal him. You know, it's just like, I'll come and do it. You know, not a doubt. It's not, I'll come and give it a go. I'll not come and I'll try my best. I will come and I will heal him. But then the centurion's response is is even more incredible. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. So, I mean, there's real humility in there. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to, he he said, well, we won't go into that. But when Jesus heard this, he marveled. I mean, what faith. So for the guy with leprosy, he came and he knelt before Jesus. Jesus reached out touched him and he was healed. In this instance, the centurion's faith is at such a level, he had such a revelation of who Jesus was, that he says, I don't even need you to come into my house. I just need to know you've said the word. That's enough for me and I know the job will be done. I mean, that, that is incredible faith on the part of the centurion. And then it says Jesus marveled at his faith. I mean, the only other time this word marveled is used is when Jesus goes to Nazareth, Nazareth and he marvels at their disbelief. Well, in this instance, 
with this Lebanese or this Syrian soldier, he marvels at his faith. This is incredible. He says, not in all Israel have I found anyone with faith like that. Not the disciples, not the priests, no one in Israel has had the faith that this, this soldier has had. And I don't know if you've noticed here that these first two stories are about people on the edge of society that Jesus brings into the middle of society. So with the, with the person with leprosy, they're right on the edge, they've disqualified, they're out. Jesus brings them right back into the heart. Here again, Roman soldier should not be anywhere near, again unclean brought right back into the heart of what is going on. There is no one on the outside when it comes to Christ. He will accept every single one. Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. This isn't just about Israel. It's not about what nation you're born into. It's about whether you've got faith. The entry into the kingdom of heaven is faith and repentance, not your ethnicity. Any nation can come before the throne of God. Any nation can come before Jesus, enter the kingdom of heaven. It's about faith and repentance, not about what country you were born in. And they will recline at the table with Abraham in kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into utter darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. These are provoking words. Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Wow. Jesus doesn't even go with him. Jesus, just say the word and I know it'll get sorted. What faith. Wow. I wonder what we would look like as a church if we had faith like the centurions. Come on, you imagine. And then we move on, um, just this last bit, and then I just want to make a couple of, uh, couple of points. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, the fever left her, she rose and began to serve them. Um, I, some, some commentators have said that all three of these are about excluded persons. So I don't know if mother-in-laws are an excluded group. But, uh, but any, anyway, it was there. I wonder if when Peter was walked into the house, he said, oh, cool, it's quiet in here at the moment. The mother-in-law must be sick. But... It's all right, I'm going straight to Bexhill after this, so you'll have to be quick to catch me. So... Uh, but um, I wonder if Peter was saying to Jesus, no, you don't need to heal her, she's fine. She's fine, you don't, don't need to. Anyway, um, but, but Peter lived in Capernaum. It was probably a base for much of what Jesus did ministry-wise um, as well. Jesus heals her and life returns to normal in a very matter-of-fact interaction. I mean, it's just, she had a fever, Jesus deals with it. And in each of these instances, we're seeing the authority of Christ. The authority of Christ was seen in his teaching. Now it's seen in his deeds. It's seen in what he is doing. Matthew wants to show us that. Then in verse 16. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. He cast out the spirits with a word. He healed all who were sick. Not just individuals now, a crowd turns up at Peter's house. 
And it's interesting, again, just little things that I find interesting, hopefully you do as well. Often when Jesus healed people, um, it was with a touch. Put his hands on them. They were involved. Their faith was involved somewhere. When when it comes to dealing with evil spirits, um, a word will do the trick. And he doesn't touch them. And often the person might not even be conscious of what's going on. Jesus deals with it. He takes authority. And then in verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. Diseases. This is the passage, the suffering servant, Isaiah 53, um, verse 4. Interesting, Jesus or Matthew quotes it in reference to the healing ministry of Jesus as well. That, that was a part of why he came. It revealed who Jesus was. So from these miracles, from these healings, what is it that we can take away? What, what is it that we can learn? What is it that God wants to provoke and stir us about? I think the first thing I just want to say, I've got two clips, just two points, simple points. First one is this, Jesus is king. These reveal that Jesus is king. He is king and he has authority. We see it in his teaching. In John 8, 31 verse and 32, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus' teaching is not just a collection of good ideas. It is not an optional way of life. It is the truth with the power to bring freedom and liberty for all who believe it and put it into practice in their lives. Discipleship isn't just about making a commitment to Christ at some point in your past. It's about abiding in the teaching of Christ and following him on a daily basis and letting his kingship overrule uh, your own lordship in your life. So a lot of discipleship is, is, is more about understanding that Jesus is king and I am not in the decisions I make. So so a lot of the time, it's actually not, you know, well, well, this is what I really want to do. This is is what feels right. Well, actually, that's not the starting point for us now. We're now Christians. We are now followers of Christ. Actually, it's about following Jesus as our Lord and King. So we see his authority in teaching, but we also see his authority in action, indeed, in the healings, in the miracles. Like I say, can you imagine watching that person with leprosy get healed would have been incredible. Is there any doubt as to his authority over these things? And I love the words that Jesus uses in verse 7. I will come and heal him. Simple. You, you say your servant is sick. I'm just going to come and heal him. Let me try and illustrate. See, Jesus has got authority over sickness. Yesterday, uh, the family went for a walk over the fire hills, and when we got back to the car, Freddie, my youngest, said, um, Dad, can you open my bottle of water? And the reason he asked it, it was a new bottle, and he didn't have the strength to open it himself. It's kind of embarrassing. Can you hold the bottle? <laughs> He didn't have the strength. He didn't, he didn't have the strength. He didn't have the power to open it. So I opened it for him. You, you, you could say he didn't have the authority to open it. I had the authority to open it. So I opened it for him, gave it to him, and he had a drink. 
from it. He could have walked around the fire hills with it in his pocket. He could know what it tastes like. He knows that he should drink it. He knows all of those things. But he didn't have the authority to open it, to change the situation, to, to dynamically change what was going on. Jesus has the authority over sickness. So when he speaks, it changes because he has the authority. I have the authority over that bottle of water, so I, I don't just look at it, I don't just speak to it, I open the bottle. I can now drink from that bottle. There was a lump of concrete in my garden in the summer that I had no authority over. It was a big lump of concrete. I had authority over the bottom step after two hours and a lot of hard work and puffing and panting. But the second and the third step, I had no authority over it. So I invited two friends over who had authority over the concrete and they smashed it up and they put it in the skip. They didn't just speak to it. They dealt with it. Jesus has the authority. He has the authority over death. He has the authority over sin. He has the authority over every power, every dominion. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through to 23, we get a bigger picture of his authority. Now he is, he is resurrected and ascended. It says this, he seated him. God seated Jesus at the right hand in the heavenly kingdom. There Christ sits far above all who rule and have authority. He also sits above all powers and kings. He is above every title that can be given in this world and in the world to come. God has placed all things under Christ's rule. He's got authority. He appointed him to be ruler over everything for the church. The church is Christ's body. It is is filled by Christ. He fills everything in every way. Jesus has all authority. There isn't any lump of concrete too powerful that cannot be broken by him. There isn't any bottle of water that is on, screwed on so tightly it cannot be undone. Jesus has authority. What areas of your life do you need a revelation that Jesus is king. All of us have areas. What areas of your life are you know you're, you're living in a way where you, you know Jesus is king, but when it comes to this area, you just think the concrete is too hard, the lid on the bottle is on too tight, it cannot be dealt with. Second thing I notice is that Jesus loves to respond to faith. In some ways, I don't think Jesus can help it faith to Jesus is like irresistible he he loves it Jesus marvels at the centurion's faith he commends it he celebrates it it isn't faith that deals with the problems and the challenges that we face that's Jesus who deals with those But our faith accesses Jesus' authority and his power. I want you to imagine there's a 44-ton truck in the car park. And I'm going to give you the joint assignment. I want you to get it to the town centre for me. Okay? 
Any way you want, just get it down to the town centre. I reckon there's enough of us in here. We could push it down. Elphinstone Road could be a bit dicey for those at the front. <laughs> but, but if we push and pull and... But if Simon's got the key in his pocket and sits in the cab and turns the ignition and starts it, suddenly the power of a 44-ton truck is, in a sense, at his disposal. It isn't the faith that does it. The faith just unlocks the power and the authority of God. And, and, and it seems, I don't mean to say this in the wrong way or an irreverent way, I don't think Jesus can in some ways resist faith. Right the way through Matthew, faith is commended or, 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 or Jesus is looking saying, where is your faith? It's a real important commodity. And as I said earlier on, I wonder, I wonder what we would be like as a church if we had faith like the centurions. You know, Jesus, just say the word and I know you're going to do it. I'll go because I know it's been done. And I know that, that when it comes to faith, it can be misused. People can be abused for it and stuff like that. But, but we mustn't back away from the power that when we believe God and his promises and we believe who he is and the authority he has, wonderful, powerful, mighty things happen that are far beyond our ability to do on our own. What areas of your life do you need fresh faith for breakthrough? In what areas of your life do you need fresh faith for breakthrough? The centurion didn't work really hard to grow his faith. He just saw who Jesus was and believed. That makes sense? The centurion didn't work really hard. I must have more faith. I must have more faith. But he got a revelation of who Jesus is as the, sin destroy, as the sickness destroyer. He believed what Jesus said, what he did. And that brought a breakthrough for his servant's life. What about for us? Why don't we stand Paul, can I ask you to head back up? If you feel comfortable to and uh, you want to, why don't you just uh, close your eyes, raise your hands. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word that, that reveals to us who Jesus is. I thank you, Jesus, that you're not one that just teaches with authority. You're not one that just has authority over sickness. Actually, you are seated in, in, in authority and I am hidden in you. I pray right now for just a fresh revelation of who you are. That you, Lord Jesus, are seated at the Father's right hand in the heavenly kingdom. That there, Lord Jesus, you sit far above all rule and authority. That you sit above okay, all you powers alive. and kings. That you are above every title that can be given in this world and in the world to come. That every single thing, from sickness to sin to death to principalities and powers, all things are under your rule. They're under your feet. Lord Jesus, that you appointed 
to be ruler over everything for your church. That is us. What a privileged position we are in right now. I thank you, Lord, that you feel everything in every way. Lord, and I just want to ask right now, with the authority that you have, Lord Jesus, I I want to start just by praying, Lord God, that sickness will flee in your name, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray whatever the ailments might be, Lord God, whether it's a fever, whether it's a skin complaint, I pray that skin complaints will go in Jesus' name. Whether it's cancer, we say would cancer go in Jesus' name? Would you reverse cancer? Even things we don't know that are going on in our bodies, I pray that this will be a place, Lord Jesus, where you are glorified. The name above every other name and illnesses are put under your feet. Lord, I I pray directly against any work of the enemy, any space that the enemy has got in and is manipulating and hiding behind lies. And we say, go in Jesus' name. Let this be a place of freedom and liberty right now. Where we're believing lies and we're caught in slavery to stuff that, and John's saying these chains have been broken. And yet I feel so chained and bound as a Christian. This, this can't be right. I pray these, these just a breaking now of any, any stronghold that the enemy is hiding behind. We ask for your freedom to come. And I ask, Lord God, for faith to stir and rise in our hearts right now. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that we will have lively, overcoming, enduring faith as a church. I ask you, Lord God, that more and more and more we would look like that centurion. More and more and more we'd have acts and deeds that we can say, look what, look what God has done for me. That track record is not just a believerism, not just a, I, 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 I go to church and I am a Christian, I sort of believe what the Bible says, but an active, lively faith that overcomes, that brings breakthrough, that brings change in tangible ways in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We ask you for an active, lively faith, we pray. Oh, Lord God, would faith stir revelation of who you are, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to use this song as an opportunity to do business with God and then Sam's going to lead us into a little bit more ministry and we'll have some church news a little bit later.